Good morning, Michael. Hey, hey, Sean. How's it going? It's going well. It's sunny outside. It's kind of warm. It's like the spring teas. Yeah. Yeah, it was glorious <laughs> yesterday afternoon. Today, it's going to involve some bikes, but this weekend is going to be what we expect this time of year. Rain yeah. And gross. It's looking like Thursday is going to be nice, and then Friday starts the the rain cycle for the weekend just in time just before trails can reopen <laughs> they stay closed <laughs> yeah unfortunately well it's it's kind of like i don't know the the sun the warmth uh i'm going to get the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine today, it just feels to me like a f- weight is lifting off of me. Uh, I don't know how other people feel, but it's it's been a long winter. As, uh, as Mike Long likes to say, it's like it's December 95th, <laughs> <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Basically. So how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I mean, uh, I think you've got a little bit more ray of hope going on. Vaccines rolling out for you. So that's a very exciting thing. Um, but I mean, I think overall, we're starting to see those improvements. Weather's starting to turn a little nicer. So I think, you know, hope is on the horizon, which is really nice. Um, and then again, you know, it's really nice to see the team is being active in the ways that they are. Um, yes, we're not holding a race series. Yes, we won't have. Um, you know, huge gathering at this point um, from across the state. But I think it's really hopeful seeing our kids and our coaches out there riding together and being safe and having fun. So um, things are getting excited. It it struck me really hard. We had team practice yesterday afternoon and we did the rock dodge game with lining up the cones, successively getting bigger and bigger And then I set up a simulated single track with some rope and cones to serve as rocks. So student athletes would have to pass through the first rock dodge segment to qualify to go through the single track segment. And we have two brand new female student athletes, sixth grade. They're on, they're, they're that rider age where you know they're going to be growing in the next year, so the bikes are are bigger than what fit them right now, and they just you know they're <laughs> doing their best with this big bike. They're new to mountain biking, and they couldn't even do the rock dodge with one cone when mm-hmm. we started. And all of a sudden, I realized like we had kind of planned like, okay, we'll do this drill and then we'll have about half an hour to go ride the trail. And I can work with them a little bit while the others are riding the trail, but all the student athletes just kept on going with this set of drills. And my wife, you know, she's like, you know, do we want to break off? And I'm like, if they're into this, we're going to leave them doing this. And just that, that idea of how much fun they were having with something so simple was, was just great. And then these two student athletes that were brand new, just like sticking with it. And they went from not being able to do one to where they were doing five at the, at the very end of the segment. And it was just fantastic. And it also gave me a chance to sort of like work with some of my coaches and kind of talk to them about what I was looking for. Because we weren't doing that discrete skills instruction where you're like, you know, I need to have a positive correct error detection and correction going on or anything like that. It's just you're observing them over the course of this game and trying to come up with a an error detection and a positive correction to give them to try again. And, you know, just giving them the rationale for why are we doing this? And that was great to be able to help um, be meta in that process with with those coaches to sort of bring them along. Cause I I'm, I'm really realizing the importance of how much my wife and I have monopolized 
those roles on our team for, you know, expedient purposes or lack of experience from the coaches that were helping us purposes and the need to really like foster that in those, those coaches and especially the coaches that are stepping up and like volunteering to do that stuff. It's like, okay, it's, it's time. Like I'm, I'm pulling you in and we're going to, we're going to do this. And eventually kind of starting to see that, you know, at some point our three teams will probably start to become standalone on their own and have separate practices if they get to a certain size. Uh, that would just be the only way to really manage it. Right. But I think, you know, it's it just all fits in like looking forward and being hopeful and, and making plans for the future because I think that that's something that we haven't really been doing. We've just everyone has felt like kind of stuck for lots of various reasons in this lockdown situation. And, and that really struck me that, Oh, I'm actually looking forward. I'm looking ahead and I'm, I'm making plans for the future, which is kind of cool. That is awesome. Um, And I think one thing that I, I wanted to highlight in what you were talking about was I think being comfortable with letting kids dictate what we do to some extent, like you went in with a plan of we're going to do the rock dodge and then we're going to transition and have these kids go over here and do this. And the kids weren't pushing to change activities. They weren't pushing for that. And so I think as coaches, we sometimes get in this, well, this is my plan. And at this time we should be doing X, Y, or Z. And so I think being able to be flexible and just crumple that plan, throw it away. We're happy where we are and and roll with it and i think that then frees you up to be like oh look now i have this opportunity to impart what are we doing as coaches instead of to your point when we're a head coach everything is just time focused it's like i have to wrangle 20 kids and get these adults to do this and then all i'm doing is conducting i don't have time to tell people what i'm doing it's just let's do it and and get it rolling and so i think that that's awesome but i think that that's an important key is if our kids are having fun let them continue to do rock dodge <laughs> rock dodge for 40 minutes is, is, is not a bad thing. It's nope. okay. Not at all. And, and I really live by uh, the words of noted uh, 20th century philosopher, 21st century philosopher, Mike Tyson, when he said, everyone has a plan until you punch him in the face. And it really is like you go in with a plan, but you need to have that flexibility of, of going where things take you rather than forcing the direction. And right. that really is important. So seeing them like really embracing it and, and really pushing each other. Like you can see the conversations and they're like, well, why don't you try doing this? Like, I'm going to try it this way. Like you see if you can do that too. That is far more valuable than anything we can give right. them because they're going to push each other's limits in a way that, isn't the same as what a coach would do. So it's almost like set up the opportunity and then let them dictate how it goes. And, right. and that's something that I, I have come to embrace more and more, the more experience I've had as a coach. And so I, I am starting to understand more and more that I don't have to be telling everyone what to do all the time. Like I can sort of set up a scenario and set up a situation, let, let it, play out the way it's going to play out yeah and with enough time for it to make sense because i mean imagine trying to verbally instruct someone how to do that rock dodge all the different body tweaks and movements that you have to do as you get to more and more cones totally different approaches as you get further down the line and so there's honestly no way to verbally instruct someone how to do all of that and then have them successfully do it after your instruction it is release and go like i might as well not tell you how to do anything go at it and figure it out you know but honestly like that's what mountain biking is like we can give a lot of verbal feedback we can give them practice but it's not until they hit their practice threshold of everything clicking in the aha moment happening that they're really going to get that skill so um i think i think being comfortable with letting it go is super important i think also recognizing that the game that you think is the most fun may not go over with your kids. So don't be like crushed. If you're like, Oh, they're going to love this. And three minutes in, they're ready to go on to the next activity. 
that's okay too. <laughs> this kind of leads into some things that we're going to have on this episode. And one of those is going to be, we have a great conversation with a bunch of coaches from around the, the league that all have varying levels of uh, experience. And some are like, this is their very first season. They're brand new. And others have been with us since the very beginning. They're trailblazers. And all of their perspectives on what this season means to them and what they've done differently and, and the positives that they've seen from this season, those are the things that, that we had just a, a great conversation with them. So that's, that's going to be really awesome to uh, hear all of that, as well as we've got a new segment that we're going to kind of debut here that came from one of our listeners, uh, a, a coach, Coach Ryan, thank you so much for reaching out to us with this idea because it's an awesome idea and it is a trail corner. And so we're going to work this out over the course of the next few episodes. But if there is a trail in your area that you want to let us know about and us have a conversation about, this is a way for you to highlight something in your area that other teams may want to come and ride. And that's really the purpose of it. So this trail corner is going to be you kind of describing your trail, um, whether or not it's something to do as a day trip or like, is there camping? Like, should it really be a, a big weekend kind of thing? But that's going to be the purpose of this segment. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about this and, uh, first, first person to reach out to us with an idea for content, which is awesome. And so want to encourage anybody else, if you've got a great idea or a not so great idea or <laughs> whatever, just like reach out and let us know, like, even if you don't think it's a great idea, we might be able to, to, you know, have a different set of eyes on it that makes it into something really cool. And so definitely reach out to us. But before we get too much further question of the podcast coming in early <laughs> what's your dream bike and, and you're so, gonna answer that first <laughs> I, i'm gonna i'm gonna answer that first just to give michael some some time to stall because i mean your your big upgrade was when nika started in north carolina and you bought a bike with gears that's so, right <laughs> So that's, it's been a minute since then. And that was a big step for you. So, uh, we'll, we'll give you some space to think about it and, and I'll, I'll present my dream bike. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> as, as a lot of people that know me might know or don't know about me, uh, one of the things I do when I get bored or I daydream is I daydream about bikes, about building bikes, uh, all the, all of the manufacturers that have a bike builder at some point I've been on their website, like playing around with paint schemes and, and whatever to like create some really cool bike. If I've got time and, and boredom on my hands. So my, t my mind tends to wander towards dream bikes and there's always like themes about whatever I happen to be thinking about. And lately my thoughts have been turning to long travel hardtails and there's a really wide range of companies out there building hardtails again like there seems to be a resurgence and and this is coming from someone that didn't ever own a full suspension bike until like 2017 so i mean i've been a hardtail guy for a long 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 time and so this idea of a long travel hardtail really is intriguing, like 150 millimeters of travel in the front and no travel in the rear for some of the gnarly trails that we have here in Pisgah that just, I don't know, it seems intriguing. So my, my, my big thoughts are about, do I want it to be steel or aluminum? And 
anyone who's been around me long enough knows that my heart lies with steel. Like I am a steel bike rider from way, 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 way back in the eighties. And that's just my first love. So I've kind of coalesced around a couple of different bikes, but I haven't really, I haven't really decided on any one thing, but my dream bike right now, long travel hardtail, something that I could possibly do bike packing on. Who knows? Okay. So that, that makes it easier to answer because that was more of a concept versus a bike. Because, you, you know, go. I was figuring you were going to have the frame, the floor, <laughs> the tires, like everything specked out. So that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Less pressure. Yeah. Um, but it also leads me down the easy path of being like, oh, something similar. <laughs> and I only say that because in reality, I, I didn't know that they were really coming back. I've seen a couple. Um, but I remember a couple years back that started to become a phase as full suspensions really started to differentiate because they were cross country racing, you know, full suspension and then basically mountain suspension. And that was it. And then you had like your double crown DH bikes that were just racing only. Um, and now you have a full suspension for everything. You have gravel full suspension at this point. So it's like <laughs> the spectrum, but before it blew up as much, there were a couple bikes that were the hardtail, bigger hit on the front. And that was kind of the step into that game. And at that time, a couple of years ago, I was thinking of going that route because I was riding a single speed, fully rigid bike. So having suspension on the fork is a huge upgrade. And in my mind, I could run that single speed as well. So I'd get an upgrade, but keep the simplicity uh, where my brain functions. But as you said, I went <laughs> full suspension, full geared uh, as Nike came around. And I'm having fun on that as well. Um, but now you bring that dilemma back into my head of, well, you're you're not wrong. Uh, a big hit hardtail could work, obviously, geared or single speed and kind of give me some of that fun. Um, but I think realistically, I've been spoiled with my full suspension and I think I would just go a little bit bigger uh, on that because what I have now is the uh, Jet 9 um, RDO and that is their trail bike and it's super fun and takes everything that we ride and riding out Canuga, riding out Pisgah, it's fine and it does the job, but it's probably at its max when we're really riding Canuga and really riding out in Pisgah and stuff like that, a little bit more travel. Um, you know, just provides a little bit different um, ride, but I have not looked into it because my bike room is a mess. <laughs> and so I can't physically fit in another bike, even if I'd want to at this point. Uh, so I need to get some stuff ordered <laughs> in order uh, before I consider another bike. But I would assume that I'd probably be going in that direction a little bit. I have enough of cross country style stuff. I have gravelish stuff um so i think i'd go the bigger the batter type of route versus uh something that meets everything but again we could end up with the same bike mine just being <laughs> single speed yours being geared no you need that big travel bike so we can do some lift riding at beach mountain this summer <laughs> lift riding well then i need a full face helmet and the goggles and everything you don't else. need a full face helmet <laughs> well this is a podcast. You don't need to look good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have some news uh, we that we need to share. That's typically we would do some type of interview, but this is going to be uh, more in line with, we want to notify you of this opportunity coming on the coach's call. So Michael, what you got for us. Yeah. So instead of doing an interview where you just hear the info, we're actually going to have a guest on our next coaches call. So that is going to be on March 15th at 7:30. We are going to have Steve Matus, the president of NICA. He's going to be on our call and available to answer any questions that you guys have. Uh, really he's, he's joining some of our spring leagues coach calls um, as a way to connect and be available for you guys and gals out there that might have questions for him since he can't come and visit a race since we don't have any races going on this season. 
Um, so I thought that was really awesome that he reached out and, and asked to be part of the conversation. So we'll remind at the end of the podcast as well, but um, Steve Matus, our NICA president, is going to be on the call and available for your questions. Let's get out of the way and, and get the real stars on. Yeah, these awesome coaches that we've got lined up. Let's hear from them. To kick things off, uh, I'm going to start with our OG guest. Uh, so, Matt Hartman, you are one of our Trailblazer coaches from the very first season with the Cabarrus Cog Crushers. Am I correct? That is correct. All right. And then Michael Murphy, you are Pisgah Rage, and you've been in the league three years. That is correct. Annie, you are first-year team, first-year in the league, first-year head coach, first-year everything. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, we we owe a lot to Murph, definitely, with helping us get, get off the ground here. So it's been really exciting. We've had three practices so far. So, yeah, hitting the ground running. <laughs> And your team is the Henderson County or Hendersonville? It's the Henderson Hellbenders, and it's a composite team for Henderson County. And Hendersonville is in Henderson County, but we're the Henderson County composite. Awesome. And and I especially appreciate uh, amphibious mascots. Um, they're they're little little uh, appreciated in the mascot world. So the Hellbender especially. They are. They're not very cute, but they're pretty awesome. And last but not least, Sheena Morrill, you are with what team? I am with the Fayetteville Dirt Grinders, and we are a composite team. And so you have been coaching how many years? So I've been with the team for three years, and I've been coaching for three years. But this year, I was promoted to head coach. Awesome. So that's... That is exactly the spectrum of experience that we we want to get. With this season of adventure, what is working for you? What what are you seeing with your teams that you're like, okay, this is a good thing? So one thing I've noticed with our team is due to quarantining the pandemic, we have had a huge jump in numbers of kids on our team. And I think with it being the season of adventure, it's been good for a lot of kids because a lot of them are new to mountain biking. And although we did have some kids that were upset and sad that we weren't racing, ultimately having the season of adventure has been great because we've had a jump in numbers. We've had a lot of kids that are new and are enjoying it. And one thing for me that I told my own kids about, cause they're super competitive. I asked them why they mountain bike. I said, do you ride your mountain bike to race or why do you do it? And their number one answer is because it's fun. And so for them to be able to share how fun it is with new kids, that has been great for our team. Thanks, Sheena. And I'm going to echo some of what Sheena just said, but I first want to give a shout out to the seniors out there. Uh, We have two seniors that didn't participate this year for a lot of reasons. They're getting ready for college and they were racers. So I just want to say to them, we feel you. And if we could learn anything from you, please, please let us know. Uh, We we have a senior that um, just got involved with Sorba, our local IMBA chapter recently, and then asked to help on the trail maintenance program by helping manage it. So that's a good situation that came out of something that could have gone awry. But what I will say, and I've talked to uh, several people about this, the student athletes are remarkable. When protocols were laid out, all the coaches are like panicking. Oh my goodness. How do we do this? I got to wear a mask and ride. I can't foot down, mask up. It's confusing. Student athletes are like, let's go. What's the big deal? Um, You just got to give every once in a while, give them a nod to say, hey, put your foot down, mask up. And then they start doing it to each other. So that's number one. Those protocols that came out seem to be working. And that's that's a good thing. Um, What you introduced, I got to give you two a shout out, Michael and Sean, with your adventure podcast. You talked about that. I called our our head coaches immediately, our sub team head coaches immediately and said, we need to add adventure rides into our practice schedule for the rest of the season. The coaches are fired up. They're all like, this is going to be great. Uh, we're about to launch a scavenger hunt that starts in two weeks. So it's all happening now. We had to get through the rhythm of protocol that becomes norm. And now the fun is going to kick in. Annie, 
how's it looking first year? Well, so I'm obviously with the Hellbenders, we don't know anything different because it is our first year, but we do have some riders that have come over from like, we borrowed some from Pisgah Ridge. They go to school in Henderson County um, from Transylvania County. We even have a rider who was on a Georgia NICA team and has now moved up. So even though I might be new to it, we certainly don't have a totally brand new team, but it has been really exciting to look at it from an adventure perspective, especially living in the Western North Carolina area that we do. We are lucky to have so many really incredible trail systems from DuPont to Pisgah to even the private networks. And so we've been able to, I'm trying to practice at as many places as we safely can so that our riders can experience as many different trail systems as possible. Because for me, that's one of the most fun parts about racing is not only the competitive aspect, but being able to get out and ride somewhere new that they might not be able to on a regular basis. So We've been able to ride at some of the private camps that are around here. And that's been exciting because it's somewhere that even if they were to ride to drive somewhere with their parents on their own, it's somewhere they wouldn't be able to ride. So being able to give them those kind of opportunities has been, I think, successful so far this season. And Sean, if I could just chime in on one thing, if, you know, as coaches in North Carolina, especially, we're always looking for best practices out there. I highly recommend if you're not doing it today, follow Henderson Hellbenders on social media Instagram and Facebook, you're going to learn a lot. And what Annie's bringing in first year and Zeb is just, I want to go play on their team every once in a while and be 14 all over again. So there's my commercial. Annie doesn't need my, my PR support, but there you, I gave it to you, Annie. That's very nice. That's high praise coming from you. <laughs> Matt. So this has been a year of positives and negatives. Um, so far, uh, we are at, uh, uh, a net loss of student athletes f- with our team. Uh, we had a lot of racers and we had a lot of people that didn't sign back up because they just, they're going to pass this year on any extracurricular program. Um, not just, uh, the mountain biking, um, just for safety reasons, um, family issues, things like that. Um, but on the positive note, we have had new, um, uh, new student athletes come in who are totally green, hundred percent fresh, um, sophomores. I mean, you know, older, older kids, and it's given us the opportunity to be able to focus on basic skills. Um, even though it's a, it's a smaller group, we've been able to split into two pods, uh, more advanced and less advanced. And, we've been able to really focus a whole lot more on some of the fundamentals um, early in the season that we hadn't necessarily um, been able to do because there was a disproportionate level of experienced and non-experienced kids. Um, so we've got an even split. We can split them up in, in, into pods, keep the experienced kids uh, engaged and happy on their own. And then we have the ability to really work with uh, the newer ones and, and kind of bring them in. Um, Weather has played, you know, a huge issue for us, um, you know, as always, but uh, you know, there's, there's always, uh, always a, a positive to take. So with that being said, kind of your experiences, from those uh, levels of how long you've, you've had a team, what, um, what would you say has been the most successful thing that you've done so far? I think for us, the most successful thing we've been able to do is just to be able and have practice be able to get the kids out on the bikes despite the weather because it's not been snowing here but we've had a lot of rainy days and the trails are obviously closing when it's raining but just to have practices to have our parents be eager to get their kids to practice um, to be able to get their kids bikes if they need a bike or if their bike breaks to be able to get their bikes fixed so to me that's been our biggest success is just getting out there and practicing and riding. Thanks, Sheena. Uh, t- uh, sort of two ways. I've learned, 
I learned the hard way year one after year one. It's all about coaches first, getting the number of certified coaches first, then the student athletes come second. And we have 60 student athletes this year. I think we have 23 or 24 certified coaches. And then what we had to do is uh, the way we've taken our team and at practice, you have an average of 40 to 45 student athletes show up and then they, you know, they have other obligations at certain practices. So we've set, we've created five sub teams. And then with those five sub teams by color, red, green, white, blue, yellow, each of those sub teams, we treat it like it's an individual team and they have their own head coaches. In the world of NICA, they're assistant coaches, but we call them head coaches. So the biggest success we've had is the new coaches that have come in with the student athletes are really excited about it, consistent with Sheena saying. But then that those level two, three coaches um, that have gotten research or certified as level two, three, they're really taking on the role of a head coach. So flattening our organization and not having so much hierarchy or not having the hierarchy of director, head coach, and, and then everybody else, it's five teams of head coaches. Um, I would say for us, uh, just like Sheena said, is just the ability to have practices. Um, you know, uh, to reiterate what the, everybody else said, the, the kids have been okay. They've been fine with the protocols. Um, we've had to remind them to, you know, keep their distance and, you know, the, uh, foot down mask up hasn't been a problem, but they tend to, you know, gather in gaggles and get close to each other. And, um, but because we are now a much smaller, smaller group, um, you know, the, the chance of spread is, you know, minimized. It's not like we're a group of 60 with everybody gathered. It's a group of 12 or, uh, you know, uh, up to 20 when you have all the parents and coaches around, but, uh, um, that's, that's actually been a success is everybody's been really good about the protocols. Um, and there hasn't been any, you know, any complaints. Um, we've had a lot of participation in the idea of adventure, like, um, we are, in the process of building these kids up. Yeah, this is very early. You know, we've had practices since uh, November, um, late November. Um, but we are in the process of building the kids up so they can do things that are not race oriented. 50 miles on the New River Trail is a beatdown. And we're, it's not technical, it's straight, it's flat, but we are gearing them up. And they seem excited. They don't seem um, uh, discouraged that it's a flat, straight rail trail. It's an adventure. So that's up to this point. You know, I'm I'm getting good vibes out of everything we're we're talking about. And it's more of a collaborative thing. It's not just okay, guys. We got a race coming up. We got to go. You know, bust out a bunch of hill repeats. It's more like let's go, let's move our legs for a solid hour and a half. Don't stop. Cause that's what you're going to have to do. This isn't a race. This is, this is a, a long haul adventure ride where you may not have the opportunity to, you know, if you need to get point A to point B, you're going to have to get there. It's not like you can just, you know, quit in the middle of the race and, you know, come out of the woods. You're going to be stuck. You, you get there and you have to get back. So we're working up towards that stuff and they're, they're slowly realizing the difference. And that's the whole season of, of adventure advantage. I think is it's a whole different concept to what they've been exposed to in the past. So they've been, they seem to be able to grasp that right right now. So I call that a success uh, up to this point. We'll, we'll see what, we'll see what happens when, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're three miles into a ride and they still have two, two or three hours into a ride and they still have two hours to go and they have to get back to the car. They don't have any options. <laughs> oh, and so Annie, this is kind of an unfair question to you because first year you've had three practices. You put out a 
like social media virtual practice kind of thing. Can you describe that to us, like what you did? Yeah. Um, so the skill that we were going to learn for that practice that day was bike body separation. And it was only our third practice. Um, but we, I had really wanted to have it because there were going to be several new riders that were coming and the forecast, as everybody knows, was pretty terrible. And so when we canceled two days before, I was feeling pretty bad because some of our riders, it was going to be like the third practice they hadn't come to. Um, so my husband and I made a video, um, just filmed it in our backyard of what we would have taught the riders had we had the, had we had it in person. Um, it was like a two and a half minute video just on the skill and then, um, showing them how to do it and encouraging them to practice it at home. Um, and we put it on our social media and we also emailed it out to the families, um, we didn't get a whole lot of feedback, but then when we did have practice the next week, some of our riders said that they had watched it and they had practiced it. And it honestly made the lesson that day go a lot smoother because when we did practice bike body separation, it was not the first time they'd ever heard of that concept. And so it made me feel a little better about not totally canceling and not seeing them for two weeks. We had that kind of intermittent, um, communication. So, uh, I thought, I think it went well. I'm not sure if we'll do it every time. Hopefully we won't have to cancel that many more practices, but um, I'm, I'm open to doing it again, certainly. And I, I saw that and was just like, Oh, why haven't I thought of doing that? Like it was one of those things that was just so simple and yet it just took somebody else doing it. Very, very appreciative of seeing that. And this is something that Michael and I both encourage all coaches that go through OTBS 101 stuff is put everything out there that you're doing on a team uh, social media feed, because as coaches, we watch each other and we get ideas. You know, I've gotten great ideas from Matt. I've gotten great ideas from, from Murph. I've gotten great ideas from Sheena and I incorporate those and put my own twist on it and put it back out there for somebody else to remix. So definitely appreciate you doing that. John, I was thinking when we were talking about mascots earlier, I don't know if everybody who's listening would know what a hellbender is. Can I say like a brief <laughs> explanation of why we picked the hellbender to be our team mascot? By all, by all means, yes. So hellbenders are, they're native to Appalachian Mountains and they range from, the, from Southern New York um, to Northern Georgia. But the coolest part about them is that they're the largest salamander in the Americas. The only salamander that's bigger than them is the giant salamander in China and the giant salamander in, I think, Japan. But they're the largest one in this, the whole two continents, and they can grow over two feet. Um, and they are a protected species in North Carolina um, because a lot of people used to think or maybe still do think that they kill trout and eat trout or that they're venomous. And they are neither of those things. So if you do see, if you're lucky enough to see a hellbender hanging out in the creeks, if you're on a Pisgah ride or somewhere with some nice, clean, chilly creek water, um, you can admire it, but don't move the rocks. Don't touch it. Um, just leave it alone. And, and if you catch one on a fishing hook, then just, just release it and let it, let it go live its decades of life in peace. Hey, I totally, I totally encourage that. I mean, one, one of the things that we, um, I try to try to emphasize on our, on our bike rides is especially this year, slow down, take a look around. You are in the middle of um, the woods in, in nature. And uh, when you're focused on racing, you're just focused on that path ahead making sure you don't die. Well, season of adventure gives you the ability to slow down and not feel like you're wasting your efforts. You're wasting time. By and large, racing comes and goes in my own personal life, but my love of getting out on a mountain bike is a constant. And I feel that showing the, the breadth of our sport uh, instead of focusing on the depth of one aspect is, has been a very cool thing to do this season. Yeah, it's a great year for that. And it's another reason why we're, it's a better sport than, than like basketball or soccer, where you're only ever in an indoor court or on a single turf field. So you get to get out and enjoy the, the outdoors and 
see something new every time. Yeah. If I can echo that real quick, uh, just listening to everybody and it just, it really warms my heart because it's, it's like everyone's taken the challenge of COVID and really used it as a growth opportunity. And I think as Sean said, it's, it's not that we're doing things necessarily better or the right way versus what we used to do. But I think we're, we're able to grow in different areas. Like you see Murph empowering coaches, you know, giving them titles and giving them power to really lead their student athletes and build that community, which is what we all strive to do in succession planning is, is now Murph doesn't have to do it all. He's got a team of individuals who are stepping up and, and taking over, which is awesome. Um, you know, Annie's really focused on exploring new trails and that's always been my dream. I think for our program is, is we have such a phenomenal state is to get our kids outside of their neighborhood trail and our race courses, but to see what mountain biking can do. Um, and, you know, focusing on those fundamentals is, is Sheena and Matt getting new riders on their teams and, and actually feeling that they have the luxury to be able to focus on the fundamentals and get them comfortable. So that they're out there on the trails really enjoying what the sport is, is just being out in nature. Racing is an aspect where we go faster, but the general consensus is we're out there to see new things and experience new things and, and, you know, and be out there. And, and so I think we've been able to slow down the pace. We've been able to get back to the fundamentals of mountain biking. And I hope that, that these lessons move forward as we bring racing back in and, and that they don't get superseded by feeling like we have that time pressure of, we have a race in X amount of weeks, so we need to do X, Y, and Z. It's, well, we got these kids that are still brand new to the sport. This is the second time their tires have hit dirt. Let's really cultivate their passion before we get into our race season. So um, really excited to hear all of your perspectives. So thank you very much for making my heart warm. I know this is just our first year, but have, hearing you guys talk about the racing and everything, I'm, I'm so excited to get into it next year. I know our riders are too, but I think that this, after this year, building the camaraderie will be that much faster next year when we do, when we are able to have races. Um, I, I, my husband and I raced in college and that's how we met. And the only things that I remember from race weekends are the hanging out with the friends. And I don't think that it would have been like nearly as rewarding if we were just there for the, for the race part of it. And so I think that's going to be the most the most beneficial thing of this year is that we have that time to focus on the camaraderie and the adventure and the skill. And then when we are able to race, we'll be that much faster. If that even matters by that point, it probably won't even matter by then. Well, you're in for an awesome treat when you come to a race weekend. Cause I mean, I honestly, and, and all the coaches can chime in. I think that that is the highlight for all of our league. It's, it's really, I think when people talk about missing race weekends, it's not necessarily the competition. There's probably some that do want to toe the line. I think what the biggest loss is, and I feel it too, is that community is we don't get to camp together. We don't get to be out there for a weekend. I don't get to see people from the coast or for the mountains. I don't get to talk to, you know, and I think that's to your point. That's what we all remember. Like when I raced, I, I mean, I never won podium, so I don't have to like think that I've forgotten any great, you know, challenges there, but I miss the people that I talked to, the people that race to race that I knew I was in that same level with that we would talk about, how was your life? How's your family? And then I want to beat them, but you know, you still have that camaraderie. And I think to your point, um, you guys are building the, the foundation for that. And so I think your entry into the race series is just going to be awesome. Like one of my favorite parts about mountain biking is that everybody can have a different goal, which is different than like on a basketball team, your goal needs to be to win the game. But on a mountain bike team, it could be, you know, whatever you want it to be. But um, in one of our practices, even though everybody has different goals, we wanted to unite everyone under the same team culture. And especially since it's our first year. So we talked about the five different things we want to uphold in every practice and every ride we do. Um, and because everybody loves alliteration and they all start with an S. So we talked about stewardship, self-esteem, safety, selflessness, and strength. And so stewardship, we'd be good stewards of our trails, our resources, and our community. And then self-esteem is really important, I think, because if you are not, if you're not practicing positive self-talk, um, you're going to keep getting discouraged. 
Um, and then riding responsibly with safety that really comes up big this year with all of the COVID protocols and everything, especially, but just also being riding with the safety of yourself and others when you're out on the trails, um, selflessly supporting your teammates. So we're always going to welcome all our, any riders and build each other up. And then finally, finally strength was an important one to talk about, not just your muscular strength, but kind of like what you were saying, Sheena, where you might have different goals and fun for you is not going to be the intervals, but you're still building your emotional grit or you're still building that strength that's not physical. So that was something that was important to us this first year to kind of set the solid team culture we can all agree on, even if all of the individual goals might be different. Thank you so much um, for joining us. I I learned a ton. Uh, I got tons of great ideas from you all and i hope everyone else uh likewise takes something from what you said and thank you for sharing your experiences um your your perspectives like perspectives from the past perspectives from from now you know fresh eyes experienced eyes they're all just perfect in the things that we need to hear so thank you for being a part of this and thank you for letting us put you on the spot debut kind of workshop a new segment so i'm gonna go first with this this uh trail corner segment debut so constructive feedback is going to be good uh so i am i am based in caldwell county north carolina which is the base of the blue ridge mountains we are halfway between hickory and Boone, if that helps people put it in perspective. And my county actually straddles the Piedmont going up into the, the mountains. So Blowing Rock is is technically uh, part of Blowing Rock is in Caldwell County. So that can kind of help you understand the terrain and topography of, of my area. We have a very large chunk of Pisgah National Forest in Caldwell County. And it is the lesser known uh, as we refer to it, hashtag Hidden Pisgah. And it is the grandfather district of Pisgah National Forest. When people talk about Pisgah National Forest, they're typically referring to the Brevard district, which is Brevard, Asheville area, and all of the riding opportunities that are there. And so our segment of uh, the Pisgah is lesser known. You may be familiar with Katsuma and the Old Fort area, which the Old Fort area is getting a massive amount of trail building this happening. Uh, so that place is going to be blowing up soon in the black mountain old Fort area. And my section that we typically call our playground uh, and we share with a variety of teams in our area, including the high country pioneers and um, Jason Mawinney is uh, the, the team director there along with Jeff Cathy. The Wilson's Creek Gorge area is like this awesome kind of hidden backcountry Pisgah experience. And it's, it's not like when you go to the Brevard area and there's signs on the trails everywhere and you can buy maps and stuff like that. Like the, the stuff in Wilson's is just a lot more word of mouth. We're making a big effort to try and, and do a better job with that, but it's not quite there yet. And so the trail that I want to highlight is a great uh, entry-level backcountry Pisgah trail ride that you can do as a day destination, and it's the Lower Wilson's Ridge Trail. And Lower Wilson's Ridge Trail can be done a variety of ways, but when I ride it with my team, we do it as an out and back. And it is under two miles out. So total round trip for the trail is going to be under four miles. And it's primarily a climb on the way out, which is great because it's got some distinctive sections. The beginning portion of the trail is very uh, 
green. It, it is not difficult. There's some, some rock. There's some really interesting features. And as you climb higher and higher, the grade gets steeper and the rock becomes more prominent. And it really starts to tend more towards a blue, uh, or if we were in, in British Columbia, we would start to call it a dark blue. Uh, they have shades of blue. <laughs> They even have some trails that they designate as gray. Well, that's a gray trail. What does that mean? It's not quite a black. <laughs> so it's really gets dark blue towards the top. All very rideable, all very doable. A lot of the climbing towards the top becomes really a test of technical climbing and fitness because they're long enough to where even if you've got the technique, if you don't have the fitness you just start to break down your technique and and you're off the bike and walking. And then when you get to the top, there's a nice clearing, you're able to regroup and then you just turn around and, and come back down. And there's some very cool technical sections that I stop and, and we stop and pre-ride them or stop and look at them and talk about them. And my older student athletes will kind of confer with the younger student athletes and talk about line choice and things like that. And it's, and, you know, I, I kind of use the green light, yellow light, red light system with them and talk about how things are a green light for them. Like, I think all of you can do this or, you know, how do you feel about this? Like, I typically don't tell a kid that they're a red light, but I start to elicit from them. Like, how do they feel? So, yeah, they they're able to talk about line choice and, you know, I, I try to get student athletes to kind of think through if they feel that they can't do it, um, give them the space to like, yeah, absolutely. Like walk this and watch everybody else. You know, like if you don't feel comfortable with this, that we're going to be riding it again at some other point and, and we'll try, we'll try it then, you know, if you feel comfortable, but it's a great trail because it's just not that deep in the back country and what we typically do is we park at, there's a parking area along Brown Mountain Beach Road in Wilson's Creek Gorge that is uh, beside a Forest Service outhouse. And there's nice parking. There's plenty of parking there. It really, it can depend on whether or not the, the creek is up because it's a very huge parking lot for all the kayakers. They'll all park there. But typically that's where we park and then we just ride down Brown Mountain Beach Road, which is a dirt road, and hit the trail, go up, turn around, come back down, and then go back out. And even if you don't feel comfortable taking your team on the trail, there's so much dirt road in Wilson's Creek area that you could easily do a good fitness gravel ride with your student athletes in a gorgeous place because Brown Mountain Beach Road runs right alongside Wilson's Creek, which is down in this rocky gorge. I mean, it's just this amazing, beautiful place. Depending upon the time of year, then the uh, traffic can get very bad. It's a very popular place as the weather really gets warm. But even then, there is a side road called Craig Creek Road that has a huge washout at the very beginning of it that cars can't move past. And the Forest Service has closed this road with plans to fix it being, you know, at least a year or so away. So you can get on that road and it's a gorgeous road, dirt road, and there's no cars. They they physically can't get there. So it's not like that somebody might sneak in. There's no way for a car to get there. So that's one that I think um, is worth exploring for coaches. And I'm going to include some um, maps and information in the show notes to kind of guide people there and give them better information on how to get there. And uh, Coach Mawinney from High Country Pioneers is actually uh, working on um, a better EAP for that area. So we'll have that information for everyone. That's one of my concerns is that uh, cell phone coverage in that area is very spotty and not reliable. And uh, you're not that far away from uh, 
rescue because there's a, a very small town out there called Collettesville that has a very large uh, fi- volunteer fire department with a volunteer rescue squad. Um, and then there's proximity to Morganton, but you're definitely outside of the one hour to definitive care. So wilderness first aid is going to be a must for, for riding out there. So make sure that you plan accordingly. With that being said, if you have a trail that you want someone to know about, we want to hear from you. Please hit us up and let's arrange to to sit down with you and have a conversation about your awesome trail that I need to bring my team to so that we can check out your area as well. And Michael, you've ridden in Wilson's Creek. so I have, yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say the advice to ride up lower Wilson and then ride down is so crucial because there are, I'd say probably two spots that are kind of rocky on the descent where line choice is pretty important. Uh, there's multiple lines, but there's definitely sides you want to be on as you approach it and climbing up, you get to see all of that. And it really cements in your head, kind of the order that you're going to see everything coming back down. Uh, Cause the first time we wrote it, we wrote it that way and it was really nice coming down because I knew, okay, this rock feature is going to be first and blah, blah, blah. And so it was super easy to navigate the second time or the third time I've probably ridden that we came from the backside. So I didn't have that preview riding up. And so in my head, I misordered things. So it got interesting on the way down a little bit. Uh, But as a team, I think riding up, seeing everything. And as Sean said, you want to stop and and talk to your student athletes about how would we tackle this, which, you know, which side is the better side to come in on and even exploring, well, what happens if you come in on the left side, the side that you didn't want to, how do you handle the situation? Do you stop? Are you able to roll it? Like, how do you, you know, kind of get through that? So I definitely say use it as an out and back uh, for sure. But your other advice of there's so much roadage out there that's, you know, gravel riding, dirt riding, but it's beautiful. So even though you're on a wide open trail, sometimes it gets narrow, depending you get out there anyway, it gets overgrown, but it's still so beautiful that yes, I'm riding up a gravel road, but I'm still in the mountains. It's still not riding that you would get Piedmont East, you know, it's, 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 it's great. So I think, I think for a team, even just riding the road, getting out there and then having a picnic down by the river, like that's a glorious activity with your student athletes. So typically in our episodes, we you know try to feature a, a sponsor um, highlight or, or a, some sort of coach's discount highlight. And we don't have that for this episode, but there's something that I really, really, really want to plug. And I, I, I backed a Kickstarter uh, last year that was like in the summer, I believe. And it was for send it the mountain bike board game from Sid and Mackie. Uh, if you're familiar with Sid and Mackie, they have a YouTube channel. That's really awesome that they really share a lot of their lives as professional mountain bike racers. They live in their van, just all kinds of really great stuff. Um, just really super down to earth. And Mackie Franklin uh, had a really bad crash. Um, they were staying with some friends in Arkansas. Uh, the friend was a trail builder. He had a uh, ledge drop off of his back porch that it's a healthy ledge drop. I think it was probably 20 feet. It was a story basically, and maybe a little bit more. And Mackie crashed going off of this ledge drop. And he made this whole video that is so it's so honest about how a lot of times when we suffer really horrific crashes, you go back and you look at all the things you did leading up to that crash. And it's just so apparent that you were setting yourself up for failure. 
And he just walks through like all of the things that his mind wasn't quite on it. He wasn't really, you know, he wasn't really considering it. He didn't even really think that it was that big of a deal. And so all of these little micro decisions that were bad led up to a really bad outcome. So he ended up really not being able to use his arms for a long period of time. And part of his uh, sitting around was like, I've got to do something. And so he came up with this board game. And what I love about this board game is that it is all about training and preparation. So just to give it a, a, a brief little description, there's a trail and it starts out green and then blue and then black and there's features on it. And you have a rider and you have a, you have a card and the card has four skills on it. There's balance, fitness, air, and technical. And each role, you've got different actions that you can do. And one is to prepare, which is to draw a card. And another is to train, um, which you roll a set of dice. And all of these have some mostly positive outcomes, but they have some negative outcomes as well. And the negative outcomes are a crash, and it tells you what happened in the crash. And part of what you have to do in the game is if you draw a crash card, you have to tell the story of your crash. And all it does is just tell you like what the outcome is. So you have to tell the story of the crash that leads to this outcome. So you, you kind of get to take uh, all that studying you've been doing with Friday Fails um, every Friday or your own personal experiences and apply that to, to making up the story about how you crashed. Nice. And then you hit these features and you have to have certain skill levels for the features. So if you hit a feature, you have to stop and you have to build your skill level until you're ready to tackle the feature. And then you have this 20 sided die and you can play these different preparation cards to help out your role. And it's just, it's so well thought out in the whole idea of you don't just send it. And I know that the name of the game is Send It. And part of what you do is when you're ready to actually get through the feature, you go, should I send it? And then everybody else goes, send it. And so it's awesome. But it also doesn't discount the fact that mountain biking is a lot about training, preparation, and readiness. And it's just ingenious how they've incorporated that into the game. And and I backed it not fully understanding what the board game was going to be like, because how do you describe a board game like I am right now? Yeah. <laughs> but, but when we played it, it was like, Oh, this is everything that we do in Nika. This is like all about like how you prepare yourself for the best possible outcome in a situation that doesn't have a guaranteed positive outcome. And, and I was just like, this is, this is brilliant. And it's such a departure from a video game where, you know, video games with, you know, you got multiple lives. So it's like, if I die on this, I can just like hit it again and see if I can do better. Like, this is all about like, no, it, it stops you and you have to recover from a crash. You know, Owen, uh, Owen broke his collarbone twice <laughs> in the course of the game. And you have to sit there and you have to recover from the crash. And it tells you like how many points you have to gain. And it's just, it's just really well done. And so, uh, I, I encourage you, if it sounds interesting to you, uh, go check it out. I'm going to include the link to purchase some of the games. So they brought in some extras. So if you didn't back the Kickstarter, you can actually go onto this site and buy the game. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I, I just really felt compelled to share about my experience with this game. I thought it was it was just really well done, and it really incorporates all the things that we talk about in NICA. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a great rainy day tool, you know, oh, yeah. like have that kind of in your back pocket. And I mean, you perked my interest when you were talking about 20 sided dies and <laughs> reminded me of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so that's, that's an interesting aspect there. Yep. Yep. Owen was getting mad because the six sided die only has the numbers one, two, and three on it. He was like, it keeps coming up one. And I was like, well, <laughs> Yeah, like it's crazy because it's only going to come up with a one, a two, or a three. Like that's all. It's, it's all the options. So yeah, it's just really well done. And hats off for for that turning turning a bad situation into a good situation and and having something that really to share with people, which is is really cool. So thank you very much. Um, and 
I, I really appreciate it. Check it out if it sounds interesting to you. And, and that's kind of it, Michael. That's, that's it. Yep. That's a lot of talking. Yeah, this this might be a long episode. I, I thought this was going to be a short episode, but yeah, I don't know. It's the, it's this new microphone. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just makes you want to make use me want to talk. It's like sucking the words out of me. I'm, you know, I, I am I'm I'm looking forward to talking with Steve Matus and having him on the on the call. I, I think that's really a great thing for him to in a time when he's not able to go to leadership summits and things like that, that he's making himself available on these coaches calls to, to interface with our coaches and get feedback and just thoughts from coaches in the league, because that's one of the things that I really feel like is important is that NICA is not something that we are a part of. NICA is us. And so we really do have to, um, feel that that sense of not ownership but but belonging and that idea that we're all in this together and we need to be able to to freely share where we're at and and where we where we want to see our league going and where we want to see Nike as an organization going because part of I think any good nonprofit is this idea that you're constantly evolving and you're constantly moving um, towards towards an ideal and never quite getting there. Um, you're always trying to be better than you are now, and yeah. that's that's a great thing. Well said, and and I mean I think that's why I, I'd love for everyone to be able to join our coach call on three fifteen seven thirty p.m. Steve Matus will be there, as Sean said. So you know, come with your questions or just to kind of hear you know, his views on what's going on with Nike across the country. Um, but also hopefully the conversation you heard here today with uh, Matt, Sheena, Murph, and Annie, you know, hearing the different coach perspectives and, and what their experiences during COVID might reflect yours, or maybe you have a different experience. So we definitely want to hear that on the upcoming coach call 315 at 730 as well. And if you're not able to make it on the coach's call, but you have some thoughts or some questions that you want to share with Steve Matus, hit Michael and I up. Our email addresses are in the show notes and we'll be happy to, to voice your question and, or, or just whatever it is that you want to say so that we can get some, some information for you and share that with you at a, at a time after the coach's call. So definitely reach out and let us know if you have questions or any kind of feedback that you want to share. All right. Sweet. Good call. So good podcast rather. It's a great podcast. I do want to leave everyone with, with a quote. Uh, and, and this, I just can't get this quote out of my head and it's, it's uh, from the author Octavia Butler, who, um, it's from her book, the parable of the sower, which is a pretty awesome book. I haven't read it yet. I'm, I'm so ready to read this after hearing more about it. But this quote from the book is everything you touch, you change, everything you change changes you. And I just can't get that out of my head. And that really, to me, almost sums up, in a two sentence way, my experience with, with NICA and everything that I've done with this organization. And I just felt like I wanted to share that. So there it is. <laughs> well, until next time, Michael. Well, I'll see you in between, but to everybody out there, hopefully uh, chat on Monday, three fifteen, seven thirty PM. Awesome. Sweet. See ya. Bye. <laughs>